been a star of their season tonight. He showed the world what he could do. My God, a question. An extra gear for the freshman. Touchdown. And the freshman is off. Foot race. <laughs> They're looking at shoe bottoms and nothing else. Into the end zone. Touchdown. The freshman just ran it back to Philadelphia. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Future Freshman Podcast. Welcome to episode 21. We are back after a week hiatus. So today I bring on a very special guest. Of course, is my friend Andrew P. Katz. You can find him at Twitter, Andrew P. Katz. He's also one of the hosts of Burning the Red Shirt Podcast. Andrew, welcome back to the show, my friend. I'm almost at 10% of the episodes at this point. If you're at 21, right? I've been, this is my yep. second time on, so I'm, I'm yep. a regular. Yeah, you're a regular. You're a uh, a yearly uh, guest, which we'd love to have you on. Last time we did a little mailbag episode and stuff like that, and then we had one of the interviews from one of the players. So it was a good episode, but I figured this time we uh, will digest the SEC. So we're going to take on a little bit of the quarterbacks that we didn't um, kind of do. We did like a cream of the crop episode where we had like the top guys in the class and stuff like that. But now I want to kind of go by conference a little bit, inspired by some of the uh, the rumblings that uh, BTR might be doing in a few other podcasts I might hear is doing some conference stuff. So I was like, well, I need to let me be the companion and do at least the freshman part. So then everyone's bases are covered. So that way they can get a good review over on the BTR pod. So please go check them out. It's like just your good friends hanging out, talking and talking CFF. So please go check that out. That's the main breakdown. But come here for the freshmen and, uh, and, and, and stay for a little bit as me and Andrew dissect uh, at least the SEC conference today. And we're going to be doing some uh, some uh, SEC quarterbacks today to go along with it. But first, let's get a little bit of the uh, the stuff out of the way. Of course, campusdecant.com is where you can find most of the articles, tools, guides, and stuff that we have to offer. CFF Guide is coming out, I believe, the first week of July. So we're getting into the final countdown. I think most of the team profiles are about done. I think there's like one or two I got to do, and then I'll be caught up. Uh, and then the rest is just kind of doing players and, and different things that we have for you. So go check that out over at campusdecanton.com. All right, Andrew, so we're going to lay it out for everybody. we we'll do a little bit of SEC conference of the quarterbacks. Are these guys going to be able to start in year one, or is it going to be uh, a waiting game type situation? And we're going to start out with the two Alabama quarterbacks that got signed. First, let's go with Eli Holstein. Andrew, Eli Holstein has a pro comparison of Brady Quinn. They say that he has good size. He's got a good combo as far as athleticism, passing skills. Um, he's a big quarterback with accuracy. He's short in immediate areas of the field. Maybe not as big of as a big of a bomb as far as Brady Quinn, as far as the arm. However, he got his first Division I offer when he was a freshman, so not even before varsity, by good old Ed Orgeron of LSU. So he comes right out of Louisiana, right? Um, so this kid was meant to be in the SEC. However, uh, and we'll talk about the other one here as well, but Alabama's quarterback situation is interesting this year. Needless to say that they had to bring in good old Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame. They still got, I believe, Simpson there, and they also have Jalen Milrow, who's rumored to be the starter however i don't know if that's in the cards just yet so knowing that he's like more of a pro style quarterback he's kind of like a brady quinn do you think he ever gets the shot or do you be do you think because of nick saban and how he kind of runs his show that he would have to earn it for two years if he even sticks around to kind of do that what's your, what's your thoughts on eli holstein and a fit in the alabama system i think it is easiest to break it down between this year and then going forward this year, you figure things would have to happen, whether it's him just the sending up the depth chart through his how he's playing on the practice field or 
injuries just kind of parting the sea for him to get, but he's got to get over four other guys, um, including yeah. Milrow and Buckner, who have exper- either experience uh, in the system and or experience start, uh, starting in uh, Tommy Reese's system, right? Or yeah, at Alabama, or basically with with the OC with Tommy Reese. So I don't know. It is a, is I think it's a ton to ask for him to get on the field in the starting world this year, and to right. the point where it's just it's just not really practical to think that that would be the case. And then going forward, I'm in the camp where I that is skeptical about what's going to happen at Bama this year uh, in terms of just I'm like I don't see them being a top four team, being a playoff team, uh, just. And if that's the case, I would think that Saban is more likely to really shake things up, and maybe maybe he act maybe he actually uh, ponies up for someone like your boy Dre Make next year next year, right? Maybe that he finds the extra couple milli to to make it happen. Um, but I think that that something like that is more likely than just a natural ascension of a, fre- a freshman from the twenty twenty three class. Yeah, uh, I know uh, Saban tried hard to come after my boy May. Uh, <laughs> wasn't for, uh, I mean, uh, my boy, my boy May says he's a Tar Heel through and through, but needless yeah. to say, he was tempted. There was a lot of stuff behind the scenes that he's never going to tell you. Uh, but <laughs> definitely was. Uh, there was almost like a good two days where I thought maybe he's going to go back to Alabama. So, but uh, NIL came through. <laughs> Carolina gave him a, a deal he could not refuse. And gave him a lot of free will as far as how he uh, wanted to recruit and or how he wanted to play his offense. So, you you know, you see uh, you see the new OC, but uh, it might actually be Drake May running the show. But we can't uh, confirm nor deny any of that, uh, basically, until it's uh, said out of people's mouths. And that probably won't happen. But that's exciting. Yeah. But there's another guy in Alabama who actually has a pro comparison of Sam Howe. So the way that he can kind of carry the... uh, He's stocky. He's got baseball yeah. and football in his in his thing as well. Uh, so he's got background. He's improv- he can improvise. So he can if a play breaks down, he can kind of move that as well. And that's Mr. Dylan, Dylan Longring as well on three consistent ninety two point seven five. Still a four star, just like Eli Holstein. But you have the tale of two different ones. You have a true dual threat, and then you have a true like pro style quarterback to go along with it. So needs to say that Alabama is racking up all these quarterbacks, but. There's the whole thing, like even next year, what if they get another five-star? What if they get another four-star? So the biggest thing is like Dylan Longren, Eli Holstein. So let's talk about him and like CFF purposes. Because of the system in Alabama, are you willing to even take them in? You know, I'm not saying that any of us would probably even remotely be thinking about them in the first. I would probably even say eight to ten rounds as far as the CFF. The way that we did the mock draft with uh, Jared, even with the uh, supplemental guys and stuff like that, these guys are going to fall. Fairly, low, fairly more, especially when there's guys that we thought like Makai Lemon, I thought might be at the end of the first. He wound up in like 301. So kind of recalibrating after we had that episode and stuff like that. Where do you feel comfortable taking guys like that, hoping that maybe they can be the guy or are you just hoping for a transfer of some sort? Kind of like so, um, kind of like I, I have two ways I want to talk about this guy, actually. Um, so yeah. First of all, you, I feel like you, you probably could have picked a more flattering picture of him. Uh, but tried. this one was we, better yeah, high definition. That's <laughs> fine. I mean, maybe that's just how he looks. But uh, <laughs> so, my one of my favorite things to do in CFF Dynasty is to target backups throughout during the 
the like the dynasty life cycle that I feel really good about where the question isn't necessarily if or when, but more so where. Like I feel like they're inevitable. It's just maybe not inevitable in that system or on that team that presently at. I like to target those guys once I feel good about the if and the when not being really factors I need to consider anymore. Um, But what that usually means for me, at least, is that I'm probably not targeting them during their uh, their initial entry into the supplemental uh, freshman drafts. Like I'll get a better feel for it after watching them get into some garbage time or just maybe get a, a, a start here or there throughout their, their early parts of their career. But then once I see it, once I feel good about it, once I read enough about it or just have a good enough reason to buy in, uh, then I'm really, I'm looking to target those guys across my, my, my dynasty uh, portfolio. Um, so because of that, like I'll, I probably won't unless, I mean, some of our drafts have lots of rounds, so at a certain point, like my queue runs pretty dry. So yeah, maybe if I've got the room, I'll I'll just throw some darts. Um, the way that you're selling this kid's pro- profiles it sounds fun. I love that kind of shit. Um, the other, but the other thing, right? The way you describe him is interesting because that's how I've kind of heard Ty Simpson described as well. Like I feel like Ma- Simpson yep. gets Manzel comps, right? So. He does. If I throw it back to you, who do you who do you feel better at about not necessarily like put them on the same level, or if you can removing that Simpson's got a year in the program just from a skill set perspective, who do you think who do you like more between the two? Yeah, taking away my bias of a same hell comp, I have to remove that out of my Tar Hill brain, basically, right? Just like yeah. you, if you hear someone's like, "Hey, this guy's going to be the next like you know Nick Chubb," you have to like get that out of your mind as far as comparison because exactly. it's going to mess with yeah. you as a, as a Georgia fan. So taking the North Carolina out of it, honestly, Eli Holstein, uh, I like a pro style guy. If he can be in a system where he can stand in the pocket and prove it, that also improves draft stock. I really don't see either of the guys, even if they transfer, like I don't really see them dropping down to G5, even though that'd be a whole lot of fun, especially if they can go to some good matching. Uh, but, you know, that's just our CFF dreams coming <laughs> true that a, that a four-star caliber would find themselves in a, in a G5 situation. But probably Holstein between the two. I like Longren as far as his portfolio and what he carries and stuff like that. But what about Longren versus Simpson, though? Because I feel like their skill sets get compared kind of similarly. Yeah, I mean, if I had to choose now Simpson because of the time he's had in the program, right? But that's just me. Honestly, it's like a cop-out because he's had time in the Alabama system, right? right? But, um, gosh, it's hard to not want longer as far as him being able to extend plays and things like that. That's interesting because we have another guy we'll talk about here shortly that also has a Johnny Manziel comparison, although I think it was kind (laughs) of lazy because he's at the same university as him, but we'll talk about him shortly. But, um I still think either one, like it's worth a shot. Like, like you're saying, like maybe not take them in the draft or if they fall, like, you know, we got like 16 rounds in one of our dynasty leagues. Like I'll probably take one, if not both of them, maybe 14, 15, you 16. Like I'm sure they might be gone before then. I'm sure craftier people uh, other than us will be looking into whether it's Jared or other people in our league or justice. But, you know, there's others that are out there that will be like, yo, I'm going to take the shot hoping that this can guy can be the guy at Alabama. And if not, then, maybe transferred to a P5 school that's in need uh, that maybe has that type of situation. It's all about scheme and fit. Um, but between the two, I'd say Holstein, if I had to choose right away. Um, what's your thoughts? Would you rather have longer in or would you be more of a Holstein guy? If there was a clean slate and one of them had to start, what would be your go-to? Probably longer. Probably longer. Yeah. The way you're talking about the skill set is a little more tempting, a little more fun. It is, especially for CFF purposes as well. So, especially if it, like the most likely scenario is neither of these guys is starting at Bama, and then we start to get like, okay, 
there's a, a, a there's a prevailing theory that once you're in the SEC, you're never leaving the SEC. But like if some if one of these guys takes the Hornsby path and drops down to right. like a, a Sun Belt type deal, like that is the with this kind of skill set that Longren has, imagining that in like a fun belt system, like oh, yes. let's go. Oh. Belt, fun belt billy they called him before he moved to florida and became unfun <laughs> um oh gosh i mean even one of these guys like i would love like longgren to tra- like if yeah. this guy wanted to transfer to like carolina and take on Connor harrell for the next in line like i would be open to that competition you know because okay. it's like the next quote-unquote sam Howell versus you know a kid that's like that you know registers up there and is like a mm-hmm. what they call poor man's like nico Leva or something like i can't pronounce it <laughs> as uh as jared but uh you know, that's that's hard to, to pass up on. So, I mean, that's when we get into the galaxy brain. We're like, well, what if they go away from Alabama or what can they be tempted elsewhere? But I think that's a that's important about part about dynasty, though. Um, yeah, especially in transfer portal, we had to change our mindset. Right. Yeah. That like when you're trying to think about, all right, filling out the back end of your roster with lottery tickets. Those are the smart. Some of my favorite types of tickets to play. Yeah, especially with the system. I mean, if anything, if they can become the guy, then that's major production right away. So, yeah. all right, let's move on to Mr. Ricky Collins with a sweet, sweet hairdo. I mean, the, I got the picture of him holding the uh, trophy for those that are watching on YouTube. If you're listening, I'm sorry, but go go to see the YouTube video. It's pretty dope. Um, but Ricky Collins is on three consensus, 91.3. He's a four-star, committed to LSU. Uh, he is a three-sport guy, so he did uh, anything from basketball, baseball, and football. So he's a multi-collegiate um he's six foot two um he's got a major athletic ability i mean he jumps like 37.5 inches in a vertical so the guy knows how to get up so needless to say he's got all that you know uh track and field and things like that and all the you know the stuff that you want as well but he um he's got no pro comparison i couldn't find one whether it's on 24 7 or on on three um but he was highly sought after like he had a lot of options as far as offers and things like that decided to go with lsu um so with that was he, mind, kid who was, he was he committed to purdue or am i making that up um i think he was i'd have to check real quick okay. let me see if i, I can f- dig i feel like quick. there's some some qb that was uh that was uh some QB recruit that was back and forth between LSU and Purdue. Maybe, maybe I feel like he had previously committed and then yeah, then he did. Let me check real quick. Um, let's look at his. Yeah, um, listening to it was Purdue. Yeah, so it was Purdue yeah. first, and then he flipped to LSU last minute at signing day. So, and yeah, I wonder if it's because of he's the from their backyard, right? It's tough to turn that down. Yeah. I mean, yeah, when you when it's when LSU has been thrown in your face and you play in the state of Louisiana and a lot of people wear the purple and gold in their high school uniforms, it's hard to get away from that that mindset and stuff like that. So have you ever been down there? I haven't personally. Uh have you just, just random for our audience, but have you seen that one that's on Hulu, the documentary about the high school one that had uh Aaron Anderson and had uh what's no. his name or whatever? Anyway, they're like the most notorious like high school won multiple state championships. They're pretty much like a dynasty factory of high school kids, right? So, so Aaron Anderson goes to Alabama the first year, but then he transfers, and now guess where he's at? He's at LSU. Look, yeah. you know, so go figure, right? So I feel like Ricky Collins just did what his heart told him to, and it was that just go play as well. And from what I've been told, especially from like the way that he would be able to play, is that he would be able. To, I don't think he'd ever challenge as far as Daniels and you know what they got right now, but. 
I wouldn't be surprised if maybe by like junior year that he's starting. So he's a guy that you'd have to kind of probably invest in for not like this year type situation. And a lot of these guys are talking about today is not going to be like a this year situation. We're just kind of more deeper dive into the higher end versus there's one from South Carolina. We talked about that could start as soon as next year, basically just because of Rattler kind of piecing out on us. But with LSU, man, like with the, with, with the new uh, head coach in play and stuff like that, Ricky Collins, 6'2", like I said, he's a dual threat. So do you think a dual threat in an LSU system kind of does the mold, or do you think Daniels is anything like that, or do you think he's more of a pro style? Like, what's your thoughts on LSU and the quarterback that they need to kind of succeed, basically? I'm willing to buy into the idea that LSU basically told them, hey, it's Daniels this year, and look, Nuss is going to be here for next year. Mm-hmm. And look, Nuss is willing to stick around. So maybe you can be willing to stick around for two years too. And then see your thing and we'll kind of just do that. Um, like this is the system. Like we're here to like, we're going to be a quarterback factory. We're going to build from within. Like we're going to, we're gonna, like, you come here. Well, you're going to be around these guys in this QB room. And then by year three, you're going to be ready to start. I'm sure that's what was sold to him. That yeah. like the, the a lot. I don't know. I have no 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 reasoning behind this at all. But like, it kind of unnerves me. Like when you see kids sign at the last minute at these huge programs, where like it feels like almost almost comparable to Kinehols at Ohio State, where they they pro- like I would have to think that they were just like we need to sign a guy. We need to sign, we need to sign whoever we can. We lost out on. Uh, I forget who the the other kid was that Ohio State was trying for, but like we like we need someone for death. We need someone from this year, like mm-hmm. and, and yeah, the kid's highly rated in a vacuum, but relative to who's the the quarterbacks who are who start and ball out at Ohio State and LSU, he's probably not. I don't know if he's necessarily cut from that mold and has mm-hmm. that sort of pedigree. So it does. It feels not unlikely that he's probably getting what what's the term is it get get recruited on or over recruited or something yeah like yeah that's say that LSU doesn't land the five star or whatever right. there's what a former walk or how yeah. it was so. so i feel like you can make a compelling argument either way that like they're setting up a system there where guys uh kind of they build from within and you put in your time and then you start but at the same time like i could see him getting over recruited on his it's his skill set sounds awesome and i like I love all that multi-sport uh, shit and like uh, yeah, when man. that actually plays out on the field and like not uh, you actually see uh, like a, someone who could actually play quarterback with that kind of skill set. It's so much fun. So I'd be willing to throw a dart. I, I feel like he's probably he's not going to cost much at all in our drafts, just given how you're not you're talking about 2025 if he stays at LSU. Um, mm-hmm. Right. So but it, it's interesting. Yeah, I feel like you could probably go late round, and then if he's just not starting, like you know, you have those roster cloggers and see if of dynasty. And if you're not willing to hold on to him for at least, you know, two years, like you're just like, listen, I got to make some cuts. He could be a cut, or maybe he can be trade bait for someone that believes or or something like that in particular, or maybe can sneak another couple like later rounds or something like that for him or something like that. So that's kind of what we're getting at. But for a kid that knows how to play baseball, I love the hand hand-eye coordination that's probably my biggest thing like just the way that that and basketball translates over to football and how they can like add that into their game repertoire that's pretty good stuff man so ricky collins the guy to look out for but you don't have to reach per se on that as well so 
let's move on to Mr. Marcel Reed, which look at that sweet hat if you're looking on uh, YouTube as well. Committed to Texas A&M. Uh, of course, uh, you know, uh, Texas A&M is also known as Texas or ATM as well. So Mr. Marcel Reed is uh, on three consensus 90.07, a four-star athlete as well. Committed to Texas A&M. So when they gave him his comparison, they compared him to Johnny Manziel as far as him being able to, which they said in the thing, I was like, it is a lazy comparison. However, a lot of his game kind of looks like that um, because he appears to have a lot of Mickey missability as a runner. He's able to extend plays out with his legs on there as well. Um, he had a really good completion percentage over 54%. So he had like last two seasons, 27 touchdowns, 37 interceptions. So that's a really good ratio. Um, they said he got a lot of raw skills that just need to be, be developed. So, but here's the thing. We got another clog at Texas A&M. So a lot of these SEC schools that we talk about, other than those of the likes like Tennessee, which we already talked about Nico in a previous episode and stuff like that, that are CFF ready almost next year. But Marcel Reed has the talent, but they already have Connor Wegman. He was a true freshman last year. So literally he has, if he wants to, three years at the very least, two years, right? So in order to see Marcel Reed, because what they have, what, Max Johnson, I still think there, but he's just like holding the clipboard and hanging out, right? So, um, but he might be a good backup in case something happens to Wigman or whatever. But Marcel Reed is really good. I think he needs to put on a little bit more size as far as overall um, muscle and things like that. But the way that he has great feet and quick fitness and can extend the play, and they have said that he's been able to throw it like 70 yards and try to hit the back of the field goal. So that's enticing to me. Um, when I hear those stories, I perk up a little bit. I'm like, oh, so <laughs> I, I like that as well, man. So I've been to be six foot one and over 180 pounds and kind of keeps on growing as he's there in Texas A&M. What's your thoughts on Marcel Ray? Do you think it's uh, just A&M being A&M and just factoring them in there? Or do you think it's a, uh, you know, this is a play for like, hey, we need someone in about a couple of years to see if because of women does good. I'm assuming he's probably going to try to go pro. I wouldn't blame him for not. So um, do you think he's the Wiggerman replacement or do you think someone else, uh, Texas A&M might lure over? Do you think like a Max Johnson or something? I cannot make up my mind on how I feel about Wegman. I feel like he looked so awesome at points last year and then yeah. like struggled, struggled to score on UMass. <laughs> right. Like granted they had all kinds of things going on with the right. receivers and there wasn't really much for him to throw to at certain po points, but the highs looked pretty high. The lows looked low. I guess that's yeah. bound to happen when you're in true, a true freshman in a program that's kind of going through some things, especially from a personnel perspective. But mm -hmm. I don't know. I thought, I thought, for most of the stretch run of last season that I would be all the way in on Wegman coming into this year and it would be impossible to get him, but that's not really the case. So no. maybe I need to, I don't know, maybe I'll talk myself back in and start buying a, a little bit, given that the price is, is depressed. Um, they're that they have, of course brought in Bobby Petrino to run that offense. Who knows how, right. like, what that's actually going to look right. like. But <laughs> I don't know. It's it's tough to be too overly optimistic about that program from a fantasy perspective. Um, I don't know. It's and I I feel like I'll probably look somewhere else other than read when I think about just what I, who I want to want to invest in. Although, as someone that uh, that did win some champion fancy championships courtesy of Johnny Manziel. Hang time I hear that comp that's hollowed. Uh, right. And uh want to kind of get pulled back in, but it, it's tough just given kind of what's going on with the, uh, the offensive uh, 
landscape at A&M right now. Yeah, I think it's just the uh, – I mean, well, Wayman's talented, and when Evan Stewart's on the field, like, he's fan-freaking-tastic. I mean, there's a reason why he's a five-star and they paid him so much there. Yeah. But the whole uh, – what's his name? Chris Marshall being a, a bonehead, and, you know, now he's kicked off of the other program or whatever, and just the other options where it's just like – and then even Le'Veon Moss, he was uh, once he finally got an opportunity, he really didn't shine. So having Ruben Owens coming in as well is another option as well. So I think Wayman can be affordable for sure, like you're talking about. Moose and, is pretty awesome too. Yep, yeah. yeah, he is. Uh, I mean, Moose has always been tried and true. Uh, yeah. Do they still have uh, what's his name? The was it in not Anias Smith? I'm thinking of somebody else. Yeah, he's there. Okay, so I mean, he's like the what the, the end all be all can do a little bit of everything like a Swiss Army knife. So exactly. He's always going to vulture something, whether it's a catch or maybe a maybe a rush yard or something like yeah. that. But um, I think Marcel Reed would be a good investment in, in the later rounds as well. Like I said, if it's a deep draft, like if you got more than just ten rounds, a lot of these guys are going to probably be available and on the board. And some of them might be a better investment than just a shot in the dart of like a random, random like wide receiver three on like a I don't know that might be more affordable on a G five team. I mean, I, you can't tell me no on a. Regardless if uh, Kent State's in shambles, like I'd much rather take the shot at the wide receiver one at Kent State than the backup at Texas A&M. So, you know, it's a uh, potato, potato, whatever that your investment in as well. But, um, yeah, I definitely agree, man. Like Marcel Reed, like when I hear Johnny Manziel, that uh, that perks my interest quite a bit. So totally. he might be a guy that we just have to like circle for a little later in the rounds as well. But let's get to our next guy because this one he's actually showed out quite a bit, especially in the spring game. That's Mr. Lenore Sellers. This is the only picture that I found that he didn't have his glasses, which I was bummed because I was trying to find a good picture of him for those that are watching on YouTube. But this one he doesn't. But the man is fantastic. He's a four-star, 89.75. He did commit to South Carolina. Um, pro comparison, Jalen Hurts at his time at Oklahoma. And so I liked it because they put Oklahoma – not the Alabama <laughs> time frame, which is pretty interesting as well. So they said that. What's your Lenore, takeaway from that? Um, I kind of see it, especially in the spring game yeah. as far as like. Yeah, is the that, distinction between Alabama Hurts and Oklahoma Hurts. What's the distinction there? They think uh, they're trying to make? I think it's like when Hurts was at Oklahoma is where he shined his brightest as far as like a, a pro, you know, like a selling point. That's why he got drafted, I believe. Like, as you know, when the, what, the beginning of the second, I think he was in the NFL draft to the, to the Eagles. So yeah, like a deal for him as well. So I think that's where he was like peak um, Jalen Hurts, I guess, at the college level versus the Alabama, which after, you know, the two would take over, a lot of people were kind of down Hurts and then he kind of moved his name back up with Oklahoma and stuff like that. But the main thing was like the athleticism, his rushing ability, the upside of a passer, um, he has a very strong arm and he has the same uh, at the same stage that he has. Uh, he said that Hertz in his time at Oklahoma had more of a refined uh, pass as far as like nice and clean, whereas Sellers is a freshman. So, I mean, like we have to give him like a couple of years to kind of refine the skill set and stuff like that. But overall, raw talent um, that they said that he has a bit of Deshaun Watson in the Clinton days as well and a little bit of Trey Lance. But I think Trey Lance is like a more like a just a little slide in there as far as a mention and stuff like that per se. So if you're getting comps to, you know, Jalen Hurts and Deshaun Watson, the athleticism's there. He did show out in the uh, spring game. Did you get a chance to dig into any of the spring stuff? You know, that guy that does the uh, the highlights over there, were you able to see any of the spring game highlights? <laughs> I saw Mock's tweeting about it, unsurprisingly, yeah. being a South Carolina fan. He was hyped up for this. What yeah. is what is Sellers' height weight? Because he looks like a twig in this photo. <laughs> so he's – He's six foot, uh, six foot and a half, 217 pounds. Okay, so, we'll take so, that. Yeah, so I mean, he's a big boy. I mean, uh, 
Uh, he, they said he was a late, a late riser. He didn't have much stats until his senior season, and that's where he like he went off on that one. So okay, that, I mean that explains a lot. I was looking at his his offer sheet, and it's like it's like South Carolina, Syracuse, some G five teams, and that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, yeah. His senior season, he went like fifteen and zero. Like they went to the the state championships. He passed for like right almost right at three thousand yards, forty five touchdowns, but he only had two interceptions. So his ratio was like ridiculously high nice. in comparison. And South Carolina was immediately like, we got to get this kid because everyone started coming in with the offers. And yeah. so I think he really is going to be like a really good, even if he's a four star. Even South Carolina got him another guy with the raw talent and the ability that Sellers has. Um, especially with another kid that we talked about, uh, Nichols Harbor, which is like the big six foot six wide receiver that's coming in. That's like the comparison of like Metcalf and all those big boys that are out there, <laughs> right? Just yeah. an absolute athlete of a monster that can just pull anything down from over like eight feet of range as long as you can get in in his area, basically. So with having like a gun like Sellers and who can like extend plays and kind of do everything that Hertz can do, but has more time to develop at the stage on that one, that's really compelling. So. Sellers is being talked about in the CFF circles as far as like a next year one. What's your what's your yeah. thoughts on South Carolina, like Beamer and things like that? What's your do you think it's viable? As I'm mean, at yeah. Rattler, when Rattler's on, he's on, right? So let's talk about it from a couple different angles. So I, I'm pretty I'm pretty in on on Rattler. I um, I speaking of baseball, like I I love his throw motion. I, yep. I always I love that shit. The like just throwing yeah. it like it's super similar to kind of how Mahomes throws it in terms of just like flicking it around like it's a baseball. Um, so, and I was so happy as kind of a, a, a Rattler uh, truther to see him ball out down the stretch uh, last yeah. year. But in terms like what you were saying with uh, Drake May kind of being the OC this year for North Carolina, the rumor is right that that's kind of what happened at South Carolina down the stretch last year that Rattler just kind of took over, right? I feel like I heard that uh, somewhere, but. Now Marcus Satterfield's out. Uh, that new guy from Arkansas that nobody seems to think is a good hire is in. So, but maybe they just kind of uh, coaxed Rattler to come back by saying, "Hey, we'll um, we'll kind of let you uh, run run the show here this year." Awesome. Who who's to say what that means for um, from the perspective of future years with uh, Sellers, um, right? From a system perspective, so I I wouldn't I don't think I would try and factor system too much into what my future expectation is for him. Uh, but one of the more interesting things, right, is unless I'm forgetting someone, I feel like the, the, cupboard, the cupboard outside of Rattler and Sellers is super bare. Like, the, the, yeah. I don't I don't know if they still consider Luke Doty to be a quarterback, but... I haven't um, looked recently. Um, but from what I, I was... I feel like I heard he's a running back. Like, he's immediately the backup, and then Sellers, like, if anything happens with Rattler, like, Sellers got a shot even this yeah. year later. If Rattler falls flat, you know. Yeah. So I mean, outside of your your blue chip freshman quarterback starting year one, this feels like the best possible option, right? Um, yep. That there's just going to be super minimal competition. I mean, it's 2023, so you could always have someone transfer in and stuff like that. But if you believe in sellers from a talent perspective, this there's the path is like you can, you can easily see the path to him starting in 2024. Um, so when you're trying to kind of just assess the the land the landscape and the uh, and when you're thinking about like what you want to do in the draft room when you're on the clock, like there's it's pretty easy to project um, this guy as a starting quarterback for 2024. Yep. 
So, and another thing is like South Carolina did a really great job with this, with this recruiting class. They got another good um, running back coming in uh, for this class. So like I said, we talked about Nico's Harbor in one other episode. So we'll probably talk about the running back in a future episode here as well, but they're setting sellers up to where if he is the guy, he's got a lot of talent around him. And uh, I mean, even this year, if he was on there, I still believe they got Antoine Wells and a few other guys that are on that squad that can pull the football down real quick. So um, and then I think Jaheim Bell is no longer there. I think he went to Florida State. Right. So. Correct. Um, so but I'm sure they'll put the tight end to use whoever I, I forget it was. Do you remember off the top of your head who's their, their tight end? They brought in two. Uh, so I, I just listened to uh, South Carolina Summer School uh, cover three podcast that by the okay, Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they brought in Trey Knox and uh, Joshua Simon from Western Kentucky. Oh man, yeah. I'm not, I'm not super high on either of those guys, but just in just terms of like South Carolina in previous years, it really like, and it's going to be the case I think this year as well. It felt like it was like last year it was Juice Wells and then yeah, right. Jaheim Bell and then like dude, they're throwing out bodies like yeah, that, anybody. Like, I I don't know how Jalen Brooks and. Josh Van ended up on NFL teams basically yeah. based on what I saw on the field. Like, I guess that like they've got athletic profiles, but it just felt like these dudes were not, uh, they, it, they, they weren't doing what I was hoping they would do for, in terms of kind of complementing the offense. It had to be uh, the, but, the Olympics probably is what got them in there. It had to be like the testing and their, their exactly. height and weight and all that stuff. So. Right, right, right. Yeah. This year, I mean, it's, it, I think it's it's Wells and then the tight ends and the the, the way it, it kind of came across on that the cover three uh, podcast was Wells is just going to get an obscene target share, um, so that's a uh, stock up for for good old Juice Wells moving up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm kicking myself now for I, I've been between him and a, um, a few other guys like Troy Franklin in, in drafts yeah. this year, and I I haven't drafted Wells yet, but I'm going to look to try and get him in my next draft. Yeah. Uh, he would be a good one to pick up if you can get it for. I think you could probably get a still a pretty good deal. A lot of people think South Carolina, they're like that's not, you know, whatever. So you might still be able to get a good steal for the for a trade, and you not have to pay like a ridiculous price unless they uh, they're crafty like us and they've already listened to the summer school episode or whatever they got going on. So did they say anything about using both tight ends, or do you think it's just Trey Knox season and Simon's just there to like relieve them and that's it? What are you thinking? They made it sound like it, both guys are going to be part of the game plan just because they, they don't have a lot of talent outside of Wells yeah. uh, in the wide receiver room. So both those guys are going to get on the field and get targets. Yeah. I think even Harbor could probably, uh, the big old wide receiver, they put him out on the other side. He's just a catch radius machine. That's like yeah, two you, boxes. You, you're talking about, you bring up Harbor and his height, his catch radius. Am I, am I making up that he also is like an insane, insane track star? Like, yes. So that's where the Metcalf cops come from because he's not just yeah, like fast, like, is my weight speed. super jacked, like uh, runs the same go route and then the occasional hook on the outside, like his tree is <laughs> limited, right? This reminds yeah. me of Ole Miss all over again with the Longo system, man. So it's like you had Metcalf and then you had A.J. Brown on the other side. <laughs> so I was like, Harbor's going to just be the Metcalf. So it looks like Juice is going to be like the A.J. Brown, the twitchy one that can actually <laughs> go across the middle and stuff like that, which is great for Rattler if he can go all year. But if not, this is, again, another selling point pun intended to Mr. Sellers. So uh, yeah. definitely think you should look at him. I, if I'm, if I'm thinking, man, he'll probably be in the first, at least I'm thinking he'll probably be in the first eight rounds. What do you think? Do you think he drops because of uh supplemental or do you think uh, because of the hype around sellers and how he performed the spring game that he'll kind of stay in the top 10? Are we talking about Harper or sellers? 
uh, sellers as far as uh, Harbors will go higher for sure. I think he'll be probably top three rounds, top four. Did Harbor go in our draft that we did with Jared? He didn't, but he was like an honorable mention. Like I would have, like yeah. if it was in the fourth round, Harbors was one of my guys I was taking up next, and one yeah. of the teams. One of the three now, teams. now I want to grab. Now I want to grab him in our draft this weekend. He sounds do it, bro. Cool. Dude, I'm not. I'm not taking him in the first round. I don't know about third or fourth, but uh, I think I traded my third to Mitch, so I have to wait for the fourth. Yeah, round. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I think I think Sellers goes to top ten rounds, probably with he's pretty comfortably within the top ten. Yeah, I think we can, he might even move up to the eighth. I don't know if we keep talking about him, he'll probably be in the top five, so we probably should move on to the next guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about our final guy in the SEC before we move to the Big Fish Small Pond, and that's Mr. Malachi Singleton. One once again, more Malachi's, more Singletons. I'm starting to get more and more confused. Why do these guys have the same name over and over and over again? <laughs> I, it must have been like the years that they were born that, that just became popular as far as the name of Malachi. So, um, but Malachi Singleton is pretty much going to be what they consider a KJ Jefferson replacement. So, a true dual threat. Um, in this entire time, he did play some prep school, so a little bit of a higher tier as far as high school competition to go along with as well. Uh, he's not a one to shy away from contact. So just like that one, if he's going to be a dual threat and run, the kid is like extremely built. Like he's like six foot, 225 pounds. So he, and this picture, like, this is like half of him. When I got, saw the bigger <laughs> one, I was like, these studs at Arkansas, they literally just get bulldozers for quarterbacks. As long as they got a good arm and can run you over there, that's the Arkansas way. Like, so, I mean, like they're not going to have rocket after this year either, but they got some good people in the backfield that could kind of take over later. But, Who's to say that Malachi Singleton can immediately take over now? They got my boy Jacoby Criswell over there. Uh, say, you know, you understand what the problem is here with the. Exactly. That's why I'm bringing it up. That's why I'm here to answer <laughs> perspective because I need to take the Tar Heel out of it and I need to understand. Yeah. Uh, um, Singleton's literally just like they. I mean, he's got a pro comparison of Taj Boyd from Clemson. Do you remember him from like the 2013 season? Something like that. Yeah. Big old Taj Boyd. Played for the Steelers for a couple of years and then kind of went off into the sunset. But. Malachi Singleton's got a lot of the same body comparisons and his way that he uh, would like move around. I think Touchboy was more like that's back in the day when it's like the pro style was the pro style. Right. There really wasn't a lot of dual threat. If it was, it was very slim to none. But Singleton can get out and move. And to be six feet and 225 pounds, no one's really going to stop him. He's going to try to run for a first down and kind of slide for it and stuff like that. So think of KJ Jefferson, but just a little bit more mobile as far as how he can kind of move around. That's Singleton basically. But Chris Will's there, like even in the offseason, they're like, Chris, we're going to give you a fair shot against KJ Jefferson. Yeah, that's not really working out too well. <laughs> and uh, from what I saw in the spring reports, I think Nate was telling me that Chris Will was struggling quite a bit. Uh, and I think it was just learning the the new playbook versus being in a longer system. He had to learn that system instead. So I think he's just kind of behind as far as what because KJ has been the start for what, two years now, at least probably three now. So I mean, single or, uh, you know, Jefferson's had a lot of time to kind of really uh, put his stamp in the Arkansas offense. But they're pretty much getting his clone in here now at this point. So what's your thoughts on Singleton? Do you think um, he can overtake Criswell? Do you think another year means that Criswell's starting next year and that we we got what? I think Criswell will be a, sing, a senior, so we have like a one-year of Criswell. So do you see a two-year window for Singleton? Or do you think uh, Criswell maybe just winds up being forever a backup quarterback and I hate it for him? What's your thoughts, man? Criswell's the type of uh, quarterback that I, I like to try and dar- target in Dynasty. Um, yeah. Right, and where you kind of project that path in the, the near, near term future, you like the talent. I will, I liked the situation a lot more when it was uh Kendall Bryles at, as OC rather than Dan, yeah. you know. So I feel like that's just a knock 
um, uh, for like that, you can drop this pr- the program and the quarterbacks within it across the board with yeah. Enos uh, running the show there. Like, I don't think he's going to, he, well, I don't want to take for granted or look overlook, I should say, how strong headed some of these uh, like OCs and coaches are. Like, after we saw what Tony Elliott did to Brennan Armstrong, I don't want to, I don't want to just, and I don't think I should just presuppose that Danny knows is going to let KJ Jefferson be KJ Jefferson, that he's not going to force him into some stupid like pocket passer system. Um, but you would think that soon, like that sooner or later, Danny knows is going to probably try to project onto his uh to the arkansas offense the system he wants to run um which is a, a little less enticing than when we've got uh Bryles offense uh there right um I, di- I didn't catch any of the spring game i i'm a, largely a believer in jacoby criswell so yeah i would think it's okay it's jefferson this year criswell 24 and then you're open for 2025 i think that it is so weird to me Hearing that, like, and seeing on Twitter how poor the opinion of Sam Pittman is in the Arkansas fan base. Like, they hate him. They think he's doing a terrible job, which is astonishing to me. That's based right. on I've seen just him like, over the past couple of years from an outside perspective. I think, right, like, right, right, right. Rocket yeah, or yeah. being the receivers that they had, or what, like Traylon and those guys, like. I get it, like Burks and like Rocket are the guys, but it's like maybe it's them that I'm seeing, or maybe I'm just seeing Pittman used in the right way. I don't know, but yeah, the schedule's murderous every single year. The expectations of the fan base are to like be, I think, to kind of compete in upper tier of the SEC, which is a lot to ask. But when when I've delved, dove in a little deeper and like tried to ask questions, the response I've gotten is basically it's not just like the record, but it's losing like a lot of games in like dumb ways and like game management and just um, losing games that they should have won and stuff like that. Uh, more so than that, the the like high level record not being ex- acceptable, but you wonder, okay, if the, if important people within the fan base, right. Are not happy with them now and things trend downward by the time that, Singleton is uh, it's about to be his turn. If there's turnover there from a coaching perspective, then who knows what that means? Uh, then just in terms of uh, what's going to happen th- with the at the quarterback position. Yeah. Do you think it's? Uh, I mean, you can speak to it because you're you're an SEC fan. But do you think it's the, uh, the delusion of the other teams to think that all of them like it's like you have to be competing for the SEC championship right away, or is it like uh, is there any like leeway or giveaway like? Does people like Kentucky or Vanderbilt be like, we just want to have a winning record? Like, is that a thing in the SEC, or is it just like, no, win the SEC championship or else? What, what's the thoughts there? There's probably you could probably break it into different tiers, right? Uh, right. Like the the Kentucky stuff is so funny. With uh, I forget it. Mark Stoops's contract is something like every uh, year that he wins eight games, another year gets tacked on. Yeah. And like I, I appreciate that, and like That's smart. like. Uh, Good for them, like across the board. Good for him. Good for the program. Good for the fans for like kind of having a cool uh, mindset where you actually are happy. Um, so it's a Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's so interesting in a few different ways uh, to me. Like you read, you read about what they're trying to do from a program, like bringing in Barton Simmons so many years before NIL was a thing. From kind of at, 
in a very visionary way. But then also, like, I kind of hate them for running off Mike Wright. Like, you're just benching your best player after three games because of some long-term vision. Like, And then he comes back and he actually makes your season decent by knocking off and giving you a couple wins. And then you still don't – you still – have to go and start that uh, and like kind of just run them off the program. So in some ways I, I respect what they're building towards, but in other ways, like I'm, I, I, I kind of, I really don't like how they did my grade. Um, but yeah, I think you can kind of tear it um, in terms of programs, the programs and expectations. Um, right. Um, but, and I think that there is a tier of like Arkansas and A&M and maybe one or two others where there's the, the expectation is probably higher than the reality is ever going to be um, unless they really manage to bring in a coach that can just kind of transcend expectations. Yeah. Yeah. I was just wondering, I was like, one, how's Vandy still in the SEC? Is that going to be like, <laughs> if is Texas and Oklahoma just going to kick them out? Like, how is this going to, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of the illusion didn't run all the way down to Vandy is what I was getting at. So <laughs> I, I love my SEC East uh, rivalries and schedule. Like I grew up, yeah. um, as Georgia fan since I was like seven, eight years old. And at that time, like Georgia, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee was everything every single year. Like I, um, growing up battling against like Peyton and Danny Warfel and shit like that. Yeah. Um, so it's going to suck when the schedule flips to accommodate th- these new teams and we lose out on kind of what I, like what I know to be the schedule every single year. Um, you know, like, I get it in a lot of ways too, like with the ba- the ba- balance of balance of power shifting in a way where like Georgia yeah. has such an easy schedule uh, relative to the SEC West teams now. So you get like it's understandable that from the perspective of like trying to make things a little more fair and balanced. And also, like yeah. I can appreciate the like it is ridiculous that what is it, like every fourteen years we go to A and M or something like that. Yeah. Uh, or like um, so. It, it it will be cool that the kids kind of get to go to every single um, school within the SEC if they're there three or four years or whatever. So I can appreciate yeah. that. A yeah, much more challenging system for sure. So before we move on to the big fish small pond, just want to get your real uh, grasp of the uh, of the offense there in, in Georgia. I know like a lot of people CFF like how dare you speak of Georgia and it's an ongoing joke that Georgia's getting down bad. They're letting their kids run crazy, all this fun stuff that we like to just pot and joke, dared about. But, you know, you being another Georgia fan, someone that's not in the Slack channel 24-7 and stuff like that, like, what's your overall take? Like, are you happy about Rayola? What do you think about, you know, the uh, the replacement at OC? Um, do you see any of these guys being uh, fantasy relevant? Like, for example, like, McConkey wasn't, like, the greatest during the season, but he destroyed for me in DFS during the playoffs, bro. Like, he destroyed, like, the whole game against Ohio State <laughs> and stuff like that. Like, McConkey was my guy. For that, he has a roster spot. He's literally just sitting on my bench there in, in Dynasty League, but uh, just hoping for a, a general breakout during the season. But what's your overall thoughts on Georgia? Like, with the newer guys, I know we talked about Robinson on the on the draft special and stuff like that, but what's your overall thoughts? Do you think any of them might have a relevancy by the end of the year or even middle of the year? What's your think? What are, what are you thinking? I haven't taken Carson Beck in any drafts, any basketball drafts yet. I probably should. Um, Did you see the hype already between uh, Debbie DeBate and all those other guys? They yeah, were well, talking up Beck real good. <laughs> Not it's a, just from the perspective of, okay, if we're doing a 30-round basketball draft, I'm trying to land seven or eight quarterbacks and all that. They had mixing in floor and ceiling. Mm-hmm. Is it a bad idea to draft a quarterback on a team that's going to sleepwalk to 40 points a game? Um 
the one of the more interesting questions is okay, what's the offense going to look like? Munkin versus uh, Bobo this year. There was a time when you want, you loved the idea of a Mike Bobo offense because it was like the most guaranteed. Okay, I want the RB one. I want that right. WR one from his team, and they're 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 going to put up obscene numbers. Like when he was the when he was at Colorado State, like he was there. He was he was the the man behind Preston Williams, Michael Gallup. Um, what did the, the, I was just looking at this the other day. There's all those amazing names. Oh, uh, I actually wrote up a, just random side quest, but I wrote up a random one about Preston Williams, how he could break out in Miami back when I was with dynasty nerds. I really thought <laughs> had it in a man and then it just kind of fell off. But dude, I just oh, cut him yeah. this off season in my dynasty league. It felt so oh, bad. Really? You kept him that long. Okay. He, I, you got That dude is so talented. I wish he like, I wish he was yeah. able to. Just keep it together with his like, go to the XFL and get his name back so he can just hop back in the league. That'd be dope. Yeah. Uh, but so the problem, I think one of the problems is okay, the last time we saw Bobo running an offense was at Auburn, and we don't know what it looked like in terms of push and pull control between him and I guess it was Harson, right? Was the the coach and yeah. But it, like I went into that year wanting to target, I was like, "Oh, give me the RB one, give me the WR one." It was a fucking disaster. Like that, <laughs> that no, there was. It was just like a committee approach across the board, and it, so that kind of sketched me out a little bit with Bobo. Uh, but I don't know um, what to, what to expect uh, um, this year, just in terms of running back and wide receiver distribution. Um, you would think that just the way George has done things recently, things are going to be largely spread out. Uh, but the idea, I, I, I feel pretty strongly that's not a bad idea to target the quarterback of uh, an offense that's going to score 40, 50 most weeks. Yeah, um, even uh, even Stetson had a few weeks where he could have been like a CFF flyer, for example. Yeah, like, he's I think good at basketball. He was a top 30 quarterback. So, yeah. I mean, like, if anything, Beck, I think, is even better as far as an overall athlete and, you know, comparison and stuff like that. So, I mean, do we think Beck's um, a supplemental guy that we could pick up, you know, not looking at, like, Debbie and all that stuff. I'm talking yeah. about CFF, like, CFF in general. Like, do you think he's worth it just to play as, like, a QB3 or 4 option where you can just throw him in, you know, if he's got, like, a good matchup against, like, a FCS or, like, a lower-end FBS or something like that? Yeah, I, I I think it's fine. Uh, it's probably you're not. It's not like you're going to need to be out here racing uh, against other people no. again. All likelihood, right? If he's available right. in your supplemental pool, you can kind of probably just sit back and um, after if, if you've had some fun, uh, grabbing some freshmen, uh, yep. trying to think about a little more about the present. Mm-hmm. Uh, go get uh, Carson back and uh, yeah, when you need a, a bye week sub, you need a high floor guy. It's probably. Not a bad option. Yeah, I figured. All right, enough of the SEC, my friend. Are you ready to dig into some big fish, small pond? Yeah, let's do it. All right, man. So let's talk about our guy, Mr. Nate Branch, a three-star, uh, 86.05 on three consensus, and he's heading to, yes, ECU, right down the street from me, about an hour away. Um, so Nate Branch, uh, let's 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 look at his measurements and then we'll kind of talk about what he's capable of doing so he's 5'10 180 pounds he's the 92nd wide receiver overall for 24 7 sports and he comes from south carolina so lower richland high school so um we'll, we'll get to this conference first i want to take a look at the offers so he actually was offered almost went to uh kentucky and he actually 
said no and flipped and went to ECU, which I thought was very interesting. So this guy almost was an SEC wide receiver, <laughs> decided to take ECU. Of course, he had to um, offer some coastal, which would have been kind of fun. Charlotte's another one where they're going to be more run heavy, so I can see where he probably was interested in. North Carolina was looking at him before we uh, got Culver and Hamilton as well. Uh, Virginia Tech, Marshall, Liberty, which is good because I think they had the return of C.J. Daniels, but they lost, um, I think, DeMario Douglas there in the draft, so they're looking probably for another good wide receiver there. Georgia Southern's always interesting, but we don't want to ruin anything with Burgess or anything like that. Let's let the good times roll uh, and let our guys catch their passes there. JMU would have been pretty fun, and so is Middle Tennessee State. I'm not going to lie. Those were always just fun schools to just let it, let the football fly there, but he did wind up taking ECU overall. Um, so let's look at some of the stuff they did. He did complete track and field. He did play six as a junior in the six, uh, South Carolina 3A 100-meter finals. Uh, he posted several uh, other like a sub-11 times in spring 2022, which is last year. So the kid is fast, um, including uh, 10.78, 10.88, 10.89. So you get the picture. He's uh, he's pretty quick. Um, and then he was also placed pretty high as a sophomore. So he's saying he's a track guy. He's also going to be uh, one uh, as far as a guy that can get down the field and stretch the field, which is really kind of something that – ECU is going to need because uh, if we uh, we have to talk about it, ECU is looking like one of the worst teams <laughs> coming into this year. Andrews, uh, the O line's looking a little rough. There's no more Holton Nailers. There's Mason Garcia, who I've kept for a couple years on Dynasty, hoping that he would be the heir apparent. And now it's looking like a hot mess as far as what they're capable of doing. But what with, what has you so down on uh, Garcia? Um, not so much Garcia. I think it's just he's not going to have enough time because his O line is very um, yeah, I always very- overlooked that. I thought it, it was super interesting how I think it was like in the press conference right after the bowl game, the coach mm-hmm. was like, Yeah, it's Mason Garcia time. Like, he's been yeah. here. Like, we're not. They, so many times you see coaches play games, like, Oh, it's going to be a competition. Maybe we'll bring someone in. He was like, Absolutely not. Like, this is it's his show. So that resonated with me. I don't know much about Garcia's skill set um, or anything. Having that certainty was uh, it was nice to hear. Yeah, the good thing is Garcia's got a dual threat ability, but it's like how much time is he really going to have out of a pocket that's going to collapse? So this is why I like Nate Branch because it's like, yeah, we have we still got Jalen Johnson, the the transfer from Georgia, who you might be familiar with, so four star guy. So he's their big, tall wide receiver. So he's there. I still think they have a uh, Satterfield, I think, or I, I forget Sorry, his name. Hatfield. Yeah, Hatfield. That's who I'm referring he's, he's to. He's been going in some of our best ball drafts. Um, I think the, with the idea being like, okay, WR1 has eaten in the past that mm-hmm. East Carolina, it's probably him. Let's just yep. see if we can plug and play. But uh, as, yeah. But as we know, they're, 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 they are not like, I assume this is where you're going. Part of where you're going with this is like, okay, CJ Johnson's gone. Isaiah Whitehead is gone. Yep. Right? That is so much production that's gone. Yeah. Even if you bring. Johnson, Jalen Johnson, and Josiah Hadfield to the forefront. Like they're We're still, still yeah, they're still. Right, and they have like, Shane Calhoun at tight end. Who's, I mean, he's being looked at in like best balls, and I think he's being drafted in in some uh in some deeper leagues and stuff like that. But it's like, yeah, no more. Uh, what's his name? Brian. I forget his last name. That was there last year, but he's gone. So literally, there's there's just so much depth that has to be replaced. And yeah, the pocket's gonna suck, but ECU has a tight man like Tyler Sneed, CJ Johnson. Like, if Nate Branch can just be 
open so then mason can dump it off so that way it's just that or it might just be the marlin gun show and we're all just kidding ourselves as far as wide receivers or something i'm not <laughs> sure but like a lot of people are high on gun because of the uh being able to catch out the backfield and kind of find the hole when he needs to i'm just saying we got to be careful uh i think uh it was a uh, it was nick uh nick allen he and he was saying he was saying with the spreadsheets the way it's coming across that like ecu like he's very like red alert type situation that we need to be careful. And then when, when, when Nick starts, starts saying that, and he's like being brutally honest, I'm just like, man, cause I actually really like this kid um, just because of the track and field, being able to be fast. Like I said, he's just like one of those guys could just really just replace a CJ Johnson or a, uh, or a Tyler Sneed type production yeah. type situation. So like he's primed for the picking. It's just like, can ECU improve if even it's not this year, but next year. So at least Mason Garcia has a better chance to, you know, get the ball out. Does Branch become a wide receiver one with Johnson? Probably. I think. It, I think this is Johnson's last year, and I think it's Hatfield's either second last or last. I'm not sure. I don't know with COVID, you never know nowadays. But, <laughs> um, but that's where I'm getting at. Is that Nate Branch could could kind of kind of be that guy? So, what are your thoughts? Do you think he's like pretty much the 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 Johnson and Sneed clone? Do you think he's a good fit for ECU? And do you think if they can fix their offensive uh, woes at the line, do you think they got a shot to uh? compete in the what is it i think they're in the aac so i still think this pretty decent competition in g5 yeah the um it feels like okay if he's if he was he there in the spring um I, from what i was told yes so i think he was it's, there it's so uh, funny how that's a guessing game it uh, is because it was like i i didn't even see i don't even think they, they have highlights of the ecu spring game. if there is it's like yeah. hidden or something like that i couldn't find it and then yeah. i was told that he did enroll earlier but that's all i could find is that he enrolled and that he was there in the spring sure. but heard nothing from the spring game so yeah i mean given the lack of depth and uh, lack of returning production right you can dream on a scenario where he gets on the field uh make a sense to a starting role this year team improves next year get offense gets a little closer to what it's been what it was last couple of years and he, he's one of those guys that's commanding uh top one top two targets it felt feels to me like Sneed was the exception to the rule in terms of uh, body t- body type, uh, right? With uh, like five seven and like hundred seventy five or hundred like sixty soaking wet. Yeah, you know, he was like a Swiss Army knife. He could run, he could pass, he could return. Right. C.J. Johnson was a bigger dude. Um, he was. If I recall, and so was I think six. Whitehead was pretty big too. Um, yeah. Branch. So I don't I don't know if they. Who's to, who's to say what if uh, I forget what the name of the coach is, but if his, if their system is more kind of they build around their talent or if they kind of target certain positions and stuff stuff of that outside versus inside um, and whatnot. But just given how the kind of what the wide receiver room looks like and what we're seeing here just in terms of his, his pedigree, his background, like it, it, yeah. you could definitely uh, kind of see him being a diamond uh, in, the, in the rough and uh, a good buy in supplementals. Yeah. And I do like uh, Branch's, uh, his offer sheet, man. Like it, he had some yeah. really good P5 offers like B-Tech. I mean, if Kentucky's offering you, if Carolina's offering you, like that's pretty legit, man. Like I feel like, I mean, he had the best choice. I feel like he picked a, a spot that's not too far from home. I believe uh, Coastal was actually closer to home for him, but he chose ECU. Um which I think is a good fit, man. I honestly think it's a it's a good spot for him. If they can just get Mason Garcia to breathe more than five seconds and actually make <laughs> a competent decision, like this could be a good breakout. So knowing knowing that what you know now, Nate Branch, what are you, where are you comfortable? Are you thinking like he he doesn't make it in like a fifteen 
draft, or is he one of those guys we find at the end, or do you think he's worth taking higher because you know that when ECU is on their game, like they're a good offense to have a piece of, basically? I've had really, I, I've, I've, I've screwed up my supplemental draft so badly, um, mm-hmm. and I, in the past, and like I've done terribly targeting, trying to target big fish, small ponds uh, recently. Yeah. Like I, I, I took uh, Terrence Gibbs and Makai Fox, I think. This past yeah, year, neither of them. Year, bro, my bad. That was probably my bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's whatever. The, like the, the systems are fun, and they had uh, like they had clearly had talent. They had the stars, so yeah. it doesn't feel like the worst bet. <laughs> and Gibbs is back on the the field that you like. He he played in the spring yeah. game. Um, yeah, so maybe, maybe maybe something happens there. Who's to say? Yeah, he's a question but, mark for me in my last yeah. year and what what I spoke out. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, don't. It's not your fault. Um, I, I, I feel, I feel like I just kind of cobbled together a few different people and a few different things I read and just kind of acted from that. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Back end of a, of a, um, of a supplemental feels like, like it. those are, yeah. those are fun bets. Um, you're not necessarily expecting a ton year one and you get like, just like, it feels like the right kind of lottery ticket in the sense that if it hits, it's probably really going to hit. Right. Yeah, he was a branch reminds me of like when a couple of years ago when Lincoln Pair was the freshman and he was at a different university before Texas State, but like he Arkansas had a higher. State. Yeah, he uh, he was at Arkansas State. Now he's at Texas State. So win win. Right. He was, you know, producing usually uh, even at the end of year one. And just I got lucky because he had the pedigree, but he had a good offer sheet and he chose to stay in G5. This is a lot that feels a lot like this in particular, where we can kind of get him later. And rounds, sit on them for a year, and just hope that maybe he can break out quicker than like year two or year three type situations. So, mm-hmm. I definitely think that'd be the way to go for sure. So, definitely have Nate Branch on the on your uh, maybe the you know the the sheet down below and kind of go from there as well. But Andrew, I want to uh, thank you for having you on, man. Uh, I know you guys got the BTR pod starting up. I think you guys got some conference stuff coming up. So you want to talk about that real quick before we leave? We we recorded the first of our uh, conference previews. If you if we can really even call them that, it's really just uh, I de- we're going to talk about uh, one conference every week optimally for the next ten weeks. Uh, actually, went ten for ten, lining up guests. Didn't have to. Everyone, everyone said yes. It was great. It made my life easy. Now it's just kind of figuring out schedules and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but we did Big Ten last night with uh, Brandon Champion, the, okay. the green, yeah, yeah, the, the, green guy, yeah. the green check mark, if you will. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. That's uh, live on uh, in podcast and video form uh, right now, um, and just lined up next week's uh, as well. Um, someone who may or may not be an associate of yours talking about. A conference that's very fun, if you will. Um, so is it that'll a fun? Be fun. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be tuning in. I still got to go watch that conference one. But like we always said, the BTR is such a good time. It's just like your boys just hanging out, talking. Even if there's structure and Andrew's trying to be a little bit more professional with it, like at least it's still, it's still like just shooting, shooting the shit with your boys. So which is great. I love that type of vibe, man, as well. Um, but, yeah, we'll be back next week. We're going to dive a little bit into the SEC running backs. I think I have a guest lined up already. If not, we'll still be back same time, same channel as well. So definitely check it out as well. Um, but like I said, one more time, 
CFF guys coming out uh, next month on the first or usually the first week of July, 20 bucks. Or if you have the NIL membership, you can get that for free if you're already a member. So go check that out. And we thank you for listening and we'll talk to you guys next time. Peace.